Welcome back to Texas by Design. We're glad to have you with us today. Uh, I'm joined again by Preston Young, Regional Managing Partner for uh, Stream Realty. We're glad to have you back on the show, man. Great to be here. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, you bet. So if you didn't tune in last time, go back and check out Preston's last episode. Uh, he recently published an article around uh, work from home and, and how that might impact us on the commercial uh, office market longer term. Uh, but today what we're really going to dive into is kind of state of the market um, and how things are changing in the commercial office market. So mm -hmm. if you're okay with it, we'll go ahead and jump Let, right in. Let's do it. All right. So Preston, I know from our perspective, we've at least heard um, uh, office clients talking more and more about um, how the office space environment might change here over the next few years, particularly those that have gone to a more uh, dense um, office layout design yeah. that they may need more space to spread mm -hmm. out as a result of, of uh, the pandemic. Uh, can you talk with us a little bit about what you're hearing from your clients on that side? Sure. Yeah, there's there's a lot of information right now and the lots of lots of data coming in. Um, I think the first question that a lot of companies are asking themselves right now is they're, they're breaking their employees down kind of into three tranches. You know, which ones, um, you know, need to be in a, in a collaborative work environment 100% of the time, which ones are kind of more 50-50, and which ones um, can be in more of a heads-down position where they're doing, whether it's computer programming or maybe accounting work 90% of the time and, and need to kind of check in um, every once in a while, whether that's once a week, once a month, um, but not necessarily needing to be in, a, in an office space um, the entire time. And so once companies have kind of established those three various groups, um, they're then kind of relooking at what their workspace looks like. And, and for those that had, had embraced the bench seating, um, that is certainly something that's coming into question right now, given everything that's been going on with the pandemic. What's interesting is that um, the office world has gotten very dense over the last 10 to 15 years um, to where now I think the average density is over four per thousand, um, where it was less than three per thousand not too long ago. Um, so I think that you will see a de-densification taking place. Um, and so I think the, you, you take the, the de-densification of the office space and then you kind of then take that into account with maybe some of the employees that not necessarily need to be in the office environment 100% um, of the time or even 50% of the time. And you probably end up in a, in a net neutral position when it's all said and done. Okay. So you have some staff moving out remote, coming in occasionally, and those that remain spreading out a little right. bit. Right. So, so for the the, for the employees that are in the 50% and the very little tranche in terms of needing to come into the office, uh, you'll start to see kind of more open seating, right? Where the hoteling concept where you, you know, you come in and you check, check a desk out for a day, um, but it's not necessarily your particular desk. So there'll be a lot more inherent flexibility built in to those two levels uh, on the employment side. Wow. Be great for the tenant uh, uh, build-out folks, right? Right. It's always changing every five <laughs> yeah, or ten yeah, years. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Absolutely. So from your perspective, I mean, obviously, um, a, a lot has gone on in the commercial office market here over the last few months. Um, you know, how has it really held up? Do you feel like we're on the way down, on the way up? Is it flat? What, what are y'all seeing? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's still very early to tell. Um, I think that, you know, the longer that we're in this pandemic, uh, you know, without a vaccine, without a real clear end in sight, I think the more protracted the recovery is going to be. Um, so if you look at a scenario where, um, you know, we, we don't go into a very dark winter 
in terms of seeing a, another resurgence within COVID, but we get back to kind of more normalized trends, um, I think you'll, you'll start to see kind of that office environment rebound pretty quickly. Um, if all of a sudden we, we do see another spike and then maybe that's brought on with some selective lockdowns, or whatever, I think all bets are off. Boy, really challenging time for sure. So, you know, one of the things that we had all seen, I think, and maybe read about a lot was uh, the co-working model. You know, mm -hmm. WeWork, I think Regis tried their own. There are obviously a lot of other yeah, folks that have spaces. tried that. Yeah. Are, yeah. What, do you, what do you think is going to happen with those? I know in a short term, um, all bets are off, right? Mm -hmm. But on a longer term, how do you think the, the pandemic and, and kind of post-pandemic, what is, what is that market going to look like, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Co-working um, has received a big brunt of, um, of a lot of the, the, the negativity that you, that you see right now in the office world. Um, you know, the first thing that, that comes into play, obviously, is, is, is a lot of the co-working thrives in a very dense setting. Right, and it made sense for the operator to uh, to be able to try to sell as many subscriptions as possible uh, in order to maximize their revenue on a per square footed basis. Um, you know, but the problem is, I think for the foreseeable future, you know, that type of office setting um, is going to be very difficult to achieve, particularly in more of our uh, urban environments, right, where the the there's less workers just currently anyway. Um, I think the other thing that you see a lot of times in the in the co working world is What's the inherent business model that's driving that co-working suite, right? Is it one where they have just leased the space at a normal rate and they're now trying to sublease it at higher rates? Um, that's going to be a very difficult model to, to see itself sustaining for the short period just because you have a constant cost that is ticking away at you every day, um, but you may not have any subscriptions that are offsetting that cost. Um, and so that's going to be the viability on that's going to be pretty, pretty low. Um, you know, conversely, if you have what's more of an operator model where the landlord, if you will, more or less hires, um, the coworking company to run a certain portion of their building, a floor, two floors in a coworking method, and they get paid an incent fee or a management fee to do that. That's going to be a much more flexible model that will allow that co-working company to flourish. And I think it's really the right model long term because it puts both the co-working firm and the landlord on the same side of the table. And where the landlord himself or itself is naturally agnostic to whether the tenant signs a, a, a lease within the co-working space or within their own building. I got you. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I think that's an interesting perspective on it. I hadn't, th hadn't yeah. thought about it that way. Yeah. So... You know, we've heard for a long time, I think in our careers in particular, the debate around office versus open concept. Mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, probably in both of our careers that has shifted much more to open concept away from the traditional. Unfortunately, numerous times now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So are y'all hearing conversation on that maybe shifting um, and, and, and kind of how are you seeing that shift? Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's shifting. I would just say that uh, everybody is really applying even deeper thought to what it is their office space needs to do, right? If it's a, if it's a, if it's a company that's very highly focused on collaboration um, and creativity, I think you're still going to see a, a relatively open office environment. You're just going to be at a greater distance from each other. Um, if you've got, uh, you know, a law firm or, 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 or other firms where there needs to be a high level of mentorship, but at the same time, a high level of heads down work that's being done, 
you might see more of the closed office setting as well. So it, it just goes back to what is it the company needs, what is it that they're seeking, and you now are going to have more deliberate focus on what the design is behind that. The continued ebb and flow. It's a continued product. ebb and flow that okay. will remain in debate for many years to come. Very interesting. So talking a little bit about what's going to drive the office market here over the next few years. Mm -hmm. um, from an industry perspective, and we may need to talk about this a little bit geographically because Texas obviously has a pretty diverse business climate. Yeah. Um, what are y'all seeing that's really going to drive um, the office market and what's really going to be decreasing in the office market from an industry participation standpoint? Yeah, I think that you're going to continue to see tech um, take space. And we've talked about this previously where you know maybe tech embraces more of a work from home um, mindset across the industry. Um, I think that that's certainly possible. Um, there's certainly been a lot of announcements tied to that, but I think in the long run, competition profitability will set back in, thereby leaving you know people to be focused on what's the most productive means in order to make our company as successful as possible. And I think that a physical environment is vital in that exercise. Um, so as that occurs, I think you'll continue to see tech take more office space. Um, but on top of that, I think you'll continue to see um, other firms as Texas continues to grow um, from a population standpoint, um, you're going to continue to see office space get absorbed. Um, you're going to continue to see more corporate relocations into this state uh, for a myriad of reasons. Um, but in Houston, it's going to be a little bit, it's going to be a little bit more of a lag. Um, obviously, we are much more diversified than we ever have been. Uh, from an energy standpoint, but the fact is we still have a large portion that is tied to energy. Um, and if you look at the energy sector, whether it's upstream, midstream, downstream, or the integrateds, um, a vast majority of the office jobs are tied in that upstream industry side um, and the engineering um, component that's tied to it. And so with that, you're just going to see, um, you know, naturally less demand for office space in that area until we start to see a recovery in the price of oil. I'm glad you brought up the corporate relocation piece because I want to kind of cover that as our kind of our last topic for today. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we've seen, we, we talked about this a couple episodes ago on, on, on this program, um, the number of corporations that have relocated to Texas uh, from other places in the United States. Um, do you think we're going to see that at a, at a similar velocity to what we've seen historically, kind of pre-COVID, or do you think COVID causes that to um, to increase or decrease? What, what, what do you, what's your, your perspective on that? Well, one of the interesting things that we haven't touched on yet, um, going back to work from home, work from anywhere, um, is, is again, I, I talked previously about how your real estate cost is your second greatest cost within any company, and that certainly applies to the tech companies as well. But your first greatest cost is your employment compensation. Um, and if you look at, you know, a Seattle, uh, Northern California type of market, you have labor markets that are very tight there. Um, and so in my opinion, a big impetus for this work from home um, has been the ability for these tech companies to go find labor elsewhere, right? Um, and so I think that um, just that alone um, and, be, and being able to find skilled labor um, at a reduced cost um, in a central time zone uh, with no state income taxes uh, highly educated workforce, great housing, great schools. Um, there's just a, a thousand of reasons why companies would strongly consider Texas 
Um, you look at Harris County alone, the second fastest growing county in the country in the last five years, only behind Maricopa County, which is Phoenix, um, in spite of oil doing what it's done. Um, and so it's really just a good small anecdote just to show the growth that's taking place from a population standpoint here. Very interesting. Yeah, I think it'll be, be great to hopefully see continued growth and companies moving here. I know um, we have an office up in, in the Plano area and that, I mean, the number of corporate relocations that have happened up in that market has just Staggering. been tremendous. So uh, it's a real boon for those, those local and, and state economy. Absolutely. So, well, Preston, thanks for joining us today. We've really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, a second episode now, so hopefully we can have you on again soon. Let's do it. Yeah, man. So thank you to all of you for joining us as well on this episode of Texas by Design. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, we ask that you give us a five-star rating. If you're on YouTube, go on and like this episode. Follow us on social media. Uh, follow our podcast so you can get additional um, announcements about future episodes that we have coming out. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again, and thank you for joining us.